quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Episode four zero, the Yuba County Five. Oh. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So we took about a three week vacation. We did some things. We went and watched some music shows. We went to the beach. Um, just had some good old family time. Yes. And now we're back with a vengeance. Back. I'm not sure why we're back with a vengeance. <laughs> I think that's kind of overused. I mean, Batman had a vengeance because his parents were killed, and then everyone's just like, you know. They're throwing that out there. I'm back with a vengeance. Uh, you're just back at work, Jim. Coming this summer <laughs> in a world where loyalty is hard to find. One man knows where to get it. <laughs> Starring Ivan and Joey. That's right. That's right. No, that's <laughs> we need the Hollywood voiceover guy for no, we, all of our podcasts. We are back with a vengeance because it's been three weeks. I've been jonesing. Yeah. But you know we're I mean? not back with a vengeance, though. No, That's no. what I'm trying to get at. We're just, like, excited yeah, to be yeah, back. Exactly. <laughs> we're just back with excitement. Is that a saying, or did I make it up, back with a vengeance? No, that's. I'm sure that's on a on a movie poster in many places. On many sequels. On many, yes. <laughs> Alvin and Chipmunks 2, back with a vengeance. <laughs> back with a vengeance. <laughs> that damn Dave. <laughs> we'll speed that up later. Dave Seville. I don't know what to say. Now. Oh, I was going to see where you went with that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, there was a week that went by and then I realized, Oh, I've got more time. Cause it's funny. Cause you went on vacation first and then, uh, and then like, I think the day you came back is when I left. Yeah. So that's why there was such a gap. And then I just got back yesterday. But, uh, in the, in the interim there, I did manage to, uh, get in, you know, uh, what I think is going to be enough for another three-parter. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So that is back with a vengeance. So many cases start out like this. I'll just Google first and I'm like, Oh, what's this? And you know, so I just follow it and, and I try to be as thorough as possible. And if, and you know, many of these is one episode, we have a lot of two-parters. Mm-hmm. We've had one three-parter. Yeah. But when it's something like this, just like with the Keddy cabin murders that we just did, uh, it's so ironic that, as I was, this is the Yuba, the Yuba County Five. It's like tuba, but with a Y. If you want yeah. to look it up, yeah. As I was reading and studying and researching it, I started seeing some familiar, like highway numbers and familiar uh, roads and familiar cities. And it turns out <clears throat> that Tina Sharp, remember she was, uh, it was like near Camp Eighteen and Feather Feather River Campsite or whatever mm-hmm. from the Keddy Cabin Murders. If mm-hmm. you don't know what I'm talking yeah. about, people go back and listen to that. That I I looked at Google Maps and I measured it. Her body was found thirty, I think it was thirty miles. I've written down yes, less than thirty miles from where tonight's case happened. Wow, it was that's, that that's close. That's not far at all. So back in the late seventies, early eighties, there was some weird stuff going on in in you know the 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 forest, the woods in Northern California. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely intrigued now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me your Mars story. You got a Mars story, I heard. Mars? Or the grapevine. The the Mars um, oh. robot. Yeah. The Martian. Yeah, Martian. like the guy that I met. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, go ahead. This is, uh, it's such a small world, man. Because I was in this, uh, we went, to, where we went, I went in this toy store, and I'm looking around, I'm always looking around for alien stuff, and I find this really cool, like, oh, it's supposed to be, you know, it's brand new, but it's modeled after, like, a really old 50s, Tin wind-up toy of a yeah, Martian invader. I love that era and, and that kind of, I don't know, that style yes. of futuristic, you know. Where the robots all had like a square torso. That's right. And then like these round kind of tubey arms. Yeah. And they were just like, round, eight, round, round. Yeah. It was so great. Yeah, definitely. It was really cool. <laughs> and I'm the guy, I was just talking to my wife about this before you got here. It's funny. And I don't care. I accept it. I embrace it. I'm fine with it. I'm the guy that talks too much. 
I'm the guy that like in the grocery store line tells half his life story or ends up talking. I just do. I do. And you need to get your own podcast. I know. Right. It's like, I just want to talk all the damn time. It's so funny because I used to, I used to almost not like that about myself. I'd be like, Oh man, people probably think I'm stupid or goofy. And you know, people around me is like, you know, well, that's their problem. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, here's what happens when you talk too much. You sometimes find stuff out about people. Because if you get someone else talking to you, right? Mm-hmm. And I say, oh, yeah. I say all that to say there was a lady in this toy shop. She was you know, behind the counter. And um, I'm telling her how much I like these old-fashioned tin toy things. And somehow I, I, I don't even know how I got there. But I told her that I was from this little tiny town in Arkansas where I grew up. That was literally population like 60-something. <clears throat> Didn't even have a population sign. But it was like a post office and four houses, right? Mm-hmm. And she said... Uh, Oh, well, I'm from a small town up in, uh, I think it was like Wisconsin or somewhere. Then the the custodian guy, the guy he's pushing a cart that's got like mops and stuff on it and a trash can. He's got rubber gloves on. He comes around the corner and uh, he's like, I'm from a little, a little town up in uh, Northern California. No one's probably heard of. And, uh, you know, Northern California is where I've, we've been reading about all these cases. There's our dog. Yeah. Is Timmy stuck in a well? <laughs> Wait. Yeah, he is. But we're doing a podcast, so we'll let him go. Tell him, chill. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he, I was like, I bet I might know where it's at. And uh, yeah, he said, well, it's a little town up by Yuba City. And Yuba City is, you know, where a lot of this stuff from tonight's case, half the guys were from there. That's where they met, you know. Yeah. And and so I blew his mind because I was like. Oh, are you talking about Oroville or Marysville or maybe up in Chico? You know, I was like up to the north about 70 or about 50 miles. And he's just like, do you, are you from there? And I was like, no, man. And here's where I, I just talked too much. I was like, my, you know, my buddy and I have a true crime podcast and I just did a, you ever heard of the candy cabin murders? And he was like, that sounds familiar. He was an older guy. Yeah. And I said, anyway, we just did a case on that. And now we're doing one on the Yuba County five. And he goes, oh Yeah. He said, I was in the same school as some of those boys. I graduated in 1975. Yeah. So uh, they disappeared in 78. So he was a little younger than them. Most of yeah. them were 24 to 30 something, 32 years old. Yeah. But it's such a small world, oh, man. Oh, yeah, definitely. That I meet a guy in Missouri. Yeah. From Northern California that graduated from Yuba City High School. The same, you know, he was in the same school as yeah, the guys we're going to be talking about tonight. That's insane. Holy shit. That is crazy. That just blows. If, if I think people, you should be amazed more on a daily basis than you are. I think people let too much go. They're just like, oh, it's cool. No, it's way more than cool. Yeah. It's an amazing coincidence. There's 340 million people in America. Yeah. And I just happened to bump into a guy that went to goddamn high yeah. school Went to the same school as these people, you know, 40 years ago that I, we're talking about. I totally agree. I was what? just thinking about just when when you're talking with a friend you've had for a long time and you end up, it's it's not really the same thing, but it's kind of the same kind of example. Like all of a sudden somebody brings up some obscure TV show that you, you're quite certain no one else has ever watched, you know? Yeah. It, and oh, you, I love that show, and and that's just a big deal, you know. It is, it is. It, it, I mean, I, I almost want to have a like do a cartwheel or something <laughs> because it's like you like the show. Uh, anyway, the, it's just we should be amazed more, and just those those connections, those human connections, we should um, we should just be more amazed and 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 be more thankful for those. Yeah, because that's really cool. The older I get, the more I don't care if yeah. I, if I come off as lame or you know someone walks away like oh whatever yeah i I just don't care anymore well you know that's their problem kind of like when we went to the beach one thing that i took to the beach that i'm proud that i did is a fake foot because (laughs) it was in the car wait 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 what (laughs) keep going you took a fake severed foot to the beach oh yeah Okay, proceed. I just wanted to... (laughs) No, I did. I did. So it was in the car. I bought it in a flea market, and then I love to like be in the passenger seat or the driver's seat, and I like to set it out on the mirror. So so when people pass you, it looks like you have your leg out, and it looks like you have a really short leg for some reason. I just love to see their reaction. But 
it was in the car and I was like, I'm taking this to the beach. It's going to be an amazing amount of fun. So what I did, I did like the guy buried in the sand. I, I mounted up the legs and the arms and the torso (laughs) and I took my beach hat, the straw hat and set it there. Like somebody's had the hat over their face. That's awesome. And I stuck the foot out of the sand. Like it was, they didn't cover one foot. Yeah. And so here's what we got. About half the people thought it was just completely hilarious. They they would crack up and they'd point at it and laugh. And the other half acted, well, maybe not half, but a few people acted disgusted that someone would do that. Almost like, you know, you flipped them off or something. What prudes, man. I know. And that's just like, why would you... I just can't understand that mentality. Why can't something funny be something funny? And then, you know, is that not something that could be brought up later at dinner? Like, Hey, we saw the funniest thing. There's a foot sticking out of sand. <laughs> I thought it was real. Tony said it wasn't, you know, it's yeah. like, it's just like something cool. But, um, the, the funniest reaction, they our neighbors right next to us. They had a tent set up, but they came down after us. Um, well, like not a tent, like a beach umbrella tent thing. Yeah. Um, the lady, she came over there and she would, I noticed she wanted to get closer to it, but she didn't want to like pry because (laughs) it's between us and them. And she walked over and and then I see, I, I saw her put her hand on her chest and she goes, Oh, thank God. It's not real. (laughs) And then she, then she let on that she she goes, I'm a nurse, and, and it's funny. They didn't get the skin tone just right. It's kind of almost like a purple. <laughs> Ooh, and she even was like, better. Yeah. She was like, I just thought this guy was wet out here way too long. <laughs> and I it's was. Summerton man. Yeah. <laughs> In Florida. I, I didn't even think about that. Whoa. Go but back I, and listen to that uh, Summerton man episodes if you don't know what I'm um, But she was, even though it scared her, she thought it was funny and she laughed. <laughs> um, awesome. So I, I don't know. I don't get being disgusted. Here's the thing about Ivan. And that if, if none of you know, and, and why would you, you know, yeah, uh, <laughs> he likes to get like really bizarre flea market finds. Oh, yeah. I was in. The, you don't even know this, but I was in the grocery store the other day talking to uh, Lori. Oh, yeah. yeah and she yeah. said you walked in there wearing the pizza outfit. Didn't didn't you go in there? Or did you like show up somewhere like you had a pizza? No. You were waving. Maybe she was talking about the severed foot. It was some crazy no, she, thing. Yeah, she saw the severed foot. She we saw the We were in back up, backed up traffic up in town, and she saw it. That's it. Yeah. 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 I got the stories confused because you showed up at my house in the pizza. Well, outfit. another thing that I did was um, to mess with my daughter when she got off the bus stop one day. We, we just walk right up the road and wait for her. This is back when she used to ride. She doesn't ride anymore, but... Um, one day I just thought it'd be funny to put on uh, a minion outfit that she bought at Goodwill and it's like a large, so it fit, it fit me real tight anyway. So like the bus pulled up. What's funny is, as I told her, I said, I should wear this and, and be ready for you when the bus pulls up. And she goes, Oh my gosh, you wouldn't do that. Would you? And it's like, no, I wouldn't do that. Um, so the next day I put it on and walked up there and, uh, the bus rolled up and she wouldn't even look at me. She, had, like, <laughs> she did like the sun visor where she wouldn't look up at me. Yeah. But a lot of those kids on that bus were my former students, and they were laughing. And oh, they sure. And oh, they loved it. Yeah, the bus driver thought it was hilarious, most hilarious thing she'd That's ever funny. seen. That's funny. Yeah, I did something similar to that last year when Lexi got off the bus, only it was uh, I put on my pajama pants. And, you know, there's, they're real loose and baggy, so you can pull them almost up to your armpits. Oh. And then I put awesome. on, like, a hoodie and put the hoodie over <laughs> and tucked it in. And uh, when the bus pulled up, I ran out to the end of the rock path, and I was, like, doing the dance, like, dancing yeah. and stuff. And so Lexi, she kind of seemed unfazed. She just got off the bus and walked. She's like, hey, <laughs> hey, Dad. You know, but the kids were laughing on the Par bus. Par for the course. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, baby. So that's, I guess, is that enough of the riffraff? That's enough. Yeah. All right. Yeah. They call that in the news biz something. It's called canoodling or something. Canoodling. I think that's what it's called because there's a funny YouTube clip of like anchors, like messing up. And, uh, there's the, the male anchor is like, Hey, I, I think we should canoodle now. And this female anchor is like, uh, no, 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 we shouldn't. She didn't know what it was. I know, right? It's like some creepy guy. Oh, okay. Well, we won't canoodle then. 
<laughs> I think it's canoodle, probably something else that sounds like that. But anyway, well, I'm going to look it up for next time. Yeah, because you know it's like it's like uh, just talking about some personal stuff and let letting the people know that you're going, hey, we're here. Yeah, canoodle cast. If that's not taken, somebody can pick that and <laughs> pick it up and go with it. <laughs> oh man, okay. Shall we get into it? <clears throat> go. Well, like I said, tonight's case is interesting for many reasons, but you know one of the big ones is that it was only 30 miles from where Tina Sharp's remains were found at Camp 18 near Feather Falls and oh, ooh, only 15 miles from where the Yuba County 5 vanished. Mm. So, so what what so the other one was mid to late 70s? Uh the Keddy Cabin murders were I think in 1981. Oh, 81. And That's this right. occurred in That's 78. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're right there. So yeah, this is a Within, yeah. This is a fantastic I just keep finding crazier and crazier stories, so I, I can't wait to get into this one. Okay, yeah. The listeners are probably like, we'll get into it, dude, and shut up. So here we go. Just hit <laughs> fa- uh, skip 15. 15. Skip 15 a few times. Yeah. Um, on February 24th, 1978, five friends attended a basketball game at California State University, Chico. The group left the game soon after it ended, and just before 10 p.m., they stopped at a convenience store to purchase some snacks before getting back on the road. After this, four of the five men would never be seen alive again, and one would vanish completely. To this day, over 40 years later, the events and circumstances that surround the fate of these five friends continue to baffle investigators and armchair detectives alike. So join us and my panting Pomeranian tonight as we dive into the mysterious and incredible case of the yuba county five it's crazy that you had that in the notes because you knew i mean you didn't even throw that in did you no it was typed i knew (laughs) i knew i i I foresaw that hey what about the panting pomeranian podcast (laughs) the triple p we've got that we've got that listen man we've we've talked about my two really old dogs before and they're both in here with us now. So, you know, old dogs are like old men. The sounds come out of them that are just, they really can't help it, you know? So you I'm going to take a picture right now, and we're and I'm going to send this to you. Okay, and I'll put it on the website. This I want people. He's growling at you as you're leaning down with your phone. <laughs> oh, he don't like, he's camera shy. It's cool, dude. It's cool, Diesel. Oh, growling. let him take your picture, man. Already did. did you get one? I already did. I was taking a video of the growling. Oh, <laughs> so I just want people to see what what, what just this vision of uh, we'll put this on the website. Okay, and I'm gonna let them out. Come okay, on, boys. all right. Come on, boys. It was good to have you. Thanks for stopping by. Go on, Diesel. Go on. That Pomeranian report was brought to you by Axe Body Spray. <laughs> Everything, everything that happens on our podcast, every kind of interruption, we're just going to say that interruption was brought to you by Icy Hot. <laughs> Where's Joe Namath? Oh, no, that was like Flex All 454 or something. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Sending it. Okay, let's keep We keep don't pause going. for nothing, folks. No, this is, no, no. We're, we're rolling. This is organic, baby. That's right. You know, but before we can really dive into the events that led to their deaths... Uh, or understand the true scope of this tragedy, we need to first get to know the individuals who make up the Yuba County Five. I like it. Let's set this baby up and build the foundation. Okay, here we go. First off, in nearly all accounts, you will see the five men referred to as boys, even though their ages ranged from 24 to 32. This is all because uh, all but one of them suffered from some sort of mental handicap or learning disability. In fact, three of the five had been diagnosed as retarded. And look, this was the late 70s. Mm-hmm. So that is the nomenclature of the time. Right? Plus before 25, 26, 27. And now theorize all the way up to age 40, the prefrontal cortex is not totally 100% formed. Exactly. So they're still boys. Exactly. Just because someone said 18, come on. It's yeah. not a scientist. So did we just become men? We're both around 40, 40-ish. I think so. And that totally makes sense. Yeah. I feel like my frontal cortex is pretty developed. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) That's what I put on my match.com profile. (laughs) Fully formed prefrontal cortex. You should see the prefrontal cortex on this guy. Good God. That thing's lighting up like a 
dang ship in the night. It's like you got to get with a 40-year-old because you want to get some 25-year-old yeah. whose prefrontal cortex yeah. is only 48% yeah. developed. Come That's on. right. And I'm not on match. I'm married. Sorry. <laughs> Put your phones down, ladies. Yeah. Right. Where is he? Right now, 18 girls just went, oh, Ivan man. who? Yeah. Ivan Mantis? <laughs> Didn't come up. No search results. I'm pretty sure we've accidentally said our last names on here at least oh, once. I don't, I don't think so. Oh, Mr. okay. Johnson. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, Joe Johnson. <laughs> That's good. That sounds like a, a ring porn to star or something ah, for some reason. Ah, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, three of the five had been diagnosed as quote unquote retarded. While the fourth, although undiagnosed, was generally known to be very slow mentally. Now, the fifth appeared to be of average intelligence. However, he had been diagnosed as schizophrenic several years prior to this incident. All lived with what still lived with their parents and uh, were lived fairly predictable, scheduled existences. Now, let's break them down one at a time. And I, I want people to know these guys. And I'm going to do this to a rap beat as Ivan raps, okay? No, you just said break it down. I just had it. Oh. I just okay. thought it needed like a segue. <laughs> Theodore Earl Weir, or Ted. He was the oldest of the bunch at 32. He attended Marysville High School and was known as a friendly, relentlessly positive guy. Ted lived in nearby Olivehurst, five miles east of Yuba City. He had worked shortly as a janitor and had previously held a job working in a snack bar. But despite his outgoing nature and good interaction with customers, the job was taxing and gave him terrible anxiety, most likely due to his mental disabilities. So his family kind of forced him into quitting. Of course it did. People are jerks of those. I know. You know, I know. And that leads to the, we are way, this is super early, but that leads to a theory. Okay. I think their mental disabilities and the prejudices towards that mm-hmm. could have had something to do with what happened to them later on. Oh, okay. Even that's, we're literally like four or five hours too early yeah. for that. So anyway, yeah. Uh, Jackie Charles Hewitt. Now Jackie was 24 years old and was basically Ted's shadow. Ted looked after Jackie, who was on the more severe side of the scale mentally. He had a slight droop to the head and was quite slow to respond to anyone. He stood five foot nine, 160 pounds. Jackie and Ted were practically glued at the hip, and Jackie treated Ted like a little brother, even dialing the phone for him when he needed to make a call. So I would say that, um, you know, he Ted was uh, on the more. Sure. I don't know. What would you call it? Just a uh, more functional, higher social and, you know, level. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jack Antone Madruga. Now Jack lived in Marysville, two and a half miles from Yuba city. He stood five foot 10 and 190 pounds with brown eyes, brown hair. He was a high school graduate and uh, he had even been in the army upon his return. He found employment working at a factory line at Sunsweet growers. Although he had been laid off the previous November, Jack is the only member of the Yuba County five who had not been diagnosed with any mental or psychiatric disability. However, it was generally agreed that he did suffer from some sort of learning disability. Yeah. So the spectrum for that probably back in the late seventies, early eighties, it was a very narrow spectrum. And if you didn't fit into it, you just weren't in. So now it's a more broad spectrum and you have a lot of different areas that you can be plugged into this, which um, some people would say, Oh, that's, you know, why would we widen the area? It's because you need services for people of all different, you know, ability levels right. and mental function. And and in fact, really, truth be told, probably almost anyone that walks the face of the earth could use some type of counseling in you know, if money weren't an issue. Yeah. Oh, um, I agree. Totally. Yeah. I do know. Um, in fact, it might be a good, um, sponsor if it wasn't so regional. I do know, uh, um, kind of a local therapist that has started this new thing called coffee and compassion. Um, it's, it's, a it's basically one of the cheapest rates I've seen for, for personal therapy. Really? I think it's like maybe 30 bucks an hour. Oh my God. Yeah. That's usually you're looking at about a hundred dollars. Yeah. And it's, and it's like it, from what I understand, it's like, you know what it is. You just sit down and drink coffee and, and you guys talk. I mean, so, um, I'm a believer. Yeah. I I think it, 
you know, and this is kind of our therapy. We've said that before. Um, but what if you didn't have something like this? Um, I don't know. To, to me, and I, I haven't done a lot of research on this, but you just need a safe place to talk. And it just so happens our safe place to talk is is something that goes out in a lot of people here. Um, you know, but I mean, we talked before and after this podcast too. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, so yeah. <clears throat> no, I absolutely 100% am an advocate for therapy. I think so. And used to, I don't know if it's like this anymore, but it had this stigma attached to it where you hear if someone's in therapy, you automatically think like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, what what kind of crazy childhood issues or or is there some sort of dark yeah, past exactly but no yeah. man uh it it is just good it, it's just crazy i don't know yeah uh my wife and i have been to therapy together and then we've been separately and i you know well i think i've said this exact thing before on this podcast but it's so funny because uh you know the the woman who we have i i really like her and she's really good and the the good ones can just pull something out of you without sure appearing to even be trying you know, because she could just Active be like, listening. Yes. I, mean, I think it's what it's mainly about. Because she could just be like, uh, "Tell me a little bit about your childhood." Yeah, and I, and you know, I go from. I mean, it seemed pretty normal, I guess. I don't know. And she'll say, "What about this or this?" And and give it within three minutes. I'm like, I don't even. Yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I yeah. get, you know, yeah. it's just like Jesus yeah. Christ. How did you do that? Yeah. So, but that's so, good. Well, I, you know there's a hot bus button issue that, that I wouldn't definitely, I would be kind of afraid to, to lay down on a couch. And of course you don't do that, but to sit down and talk to somebody about it's, uh, my two goats that I had, Daryl and Daryl. Um, you know, I'm not going into it too long, but one day I go out there and both of their heads are swollen, huge. I don't know if they got bit by a snake or they ate something and had allergic reaction. Um, but that was a rough day. My two best friends died. Uh, why am I? Oh my God. Why am I sun? laughing? I'm such an I asshole. I have no idea. You cold hearted. I'm sorry. Son of a, no, I'm well, kidding. Well, you just brought goats out of nowhere. No, it, it is. It is kind of a funny story to think, <laughs> to look back at that little boy in that, that day. But I will tell you this still to this day, I have a Sunday complex because I had some other animals that died on Sunday. Really? And I remember when I was a kid thinking, man, Sunday sucks. Dude, me too. You did? You had a Sunday? Yeah, but go ahead with... No, with, no, I'm done. That's all I was... In. I'm not talking anymore about well, that. <laughs> yeah, I'm done with that. Mine was just, I literally loathed, despised going to church. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just hated it. Nothing against what, whatever. I just didn't want to go. I, I, until you, like you just said, I have this visceral, like on Sunday, even though I haven't went to church in like 20 years, yeah. it's just, there's this thing attached to Sunday that I just don't, I just kind of dread a Sunday. I don't like Sunday. No, dude, I would, I would try to fake sick. Yeah. I would, I would lay on the couch. Like I would get up early and lay on the couch. Cause we went <laughs> Sunday morning, Sunday night, you know, and if there was something in between, we went to that too. We went Wednesday night. If there was a revival every night we were there. You know, and I was just a kid. I wanted to be home and dirty and playing in the woods with my GI Joes, and you know, I didn't want to be. Yeah. I didn't want to be forced into shiny shoes and and standing in yeah, church. Yeah, because it's like the perfect like the afternoon comes and oh. now it's time to come in and get cleaned up and go to church. It's oh. like oh, but you know, I was having so much fun. Oh God, yeah. So yeah, yeah. And I just I would like lay down. And, oh, my stomach hurts, and like mom and dad would walk by. They'd be getting ready. They wouldn't say anything to yeah. me, and I'd be laying there like, what if this works? Yeah. What if it's what if it works? They haven't said oh my stomach every time she walked by oh you know <laughs> and then she would i would i'd hear the car keys jingle and she'd say joey get in the car that's the like, devil in you boy bitch yeah we're gonna have to go Devil's get you, you exercised so i went to this church for a while and then finally my parents said that i didn't have to go anymore because they knew i hated it so i was like 12 or 13 um, I was 16 when they when I got my license. They let me. Oh, really? Let me opt out. Yeah. Well, still, that's good. At least they eventually did. Yeah. So it's been more than 20 years. Um, but <laughs> I was at school one day, and this girl that I liked, we we're just talking about random stuff, and she said, "Yeah, I started going out to that church." Oh. And did you find religion? Yeah. Real and quick? I was like, "Oh yeah, I used to go to that church, and then I started going again, and <laughs> and uh, going to the youth." thing and like paying attention and they would ask the question i'd be like oh yeah that's jonah 
and the whale and yeah you know Ephesians anyway, 316 trying to <laughs> i don't know what that what the hell whatever that is. trying to impress her but then she just quit going and i went one time af- after that because i thought she might be there i, I don't know uh, but she was she, she wasn't there and then i said what happened they said oh she started going back to her other church oh and and I remember that whole time I was like, well, I can't leave like in the middle of church. <laughs> so, you know, I was already there with my parents anyway, but then the next week I didn't go back. So oh my gosh. I figured people probably figured that out. Like, oh, she was there and he was there and then she wasn't. And then he wasn't. So you want to hear a funny story? Go ahead. I always want to hear a funny story. We visited a church that was, it was maybe two miles from my house on, you know, right off the highway. Mm-hmm. And this was, I was 17, 16 and we were sitting in church and, uh, there was a couple sitting close to us that had a boy. This is funny that I don't know. None of these boys had down syndrome that we're talking about, but they were, you know, on the scale mentally, mm-hmm. uh, this boy had down syndrome mm-hmm. and, and, uh, they were asking people something. I, it's been so long. I can't hardly remember, but I'd stood up. They asked me a question. I stood up. And I said some. I answered their question. I sat back down, and the boy with Down syndrome, sitting like three people down from me, was pretty loudly was like, "Stink, you stink, you stinks." Talking to you? I, I yeah, I felt like it because I had just said something, and I uh, sat down, and I was real sensitive, you know. Yeah. He's like, "You stink, stink." He just said it like four or five times, you know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I wasn't really mad at him because of his situation. But I was just kind of mad that I was like, why, why goddamn me? Come on, me. Why me? And I wasn't even mad at him for saying it because. He was masturbating. He, oh no, my I'm God. A, that was a classic scene from that movie. Oh yeah. From the ringer. No. Uh, Which one? Um, something about Mary. There's something. About oh Mary. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I understand. It's so like, I walked out of church. I told my mom and dad, I'll be at the house. And it was within walking distance. I walked home. Yeah. You know. That was yeah. just that's a it's just a weird memory that popped up when you were talking about. Yeah, that. he probably wasn't even talking about you. No, yeah, nothing against him, but you know he's. Uh, I wasn't like I said. It's weird. So I walked outside and I was waiting for that son of a bitch. <laughs> no, no, it's so funny because I wasn't even mad at him, you know, because I was just mad that it, I was like I was kind of mad that it was just me that he happened to say it right after I yeah. talked. Like you know the way I don't know. It's, it's I can see somebody writing some a comedy bit like that. Like some Down syndrome guy is like cusses somebody out and just like. How do you feel about that? But it's like secret in secret. Yeah. So like finally the guy gets enough of it and he just like fights him. And then everyone <laughs> thinks he's just like, dude, no. what a piece of crap. No, I, I would let I would let a, someone with Down syndrome. But I mean, do anything. I would but never see, fight. you know, that that gets into like artful writing and like very like. To where you get the public, you get the audience to where they're like, yeah, okay, you should hit them. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you, you craft it in a way to where the people are like, you know, where you actually mess with their morals. Good writers and screenplay writers and directors do that yeah. sometimes. Hey, just because someone has a mental defect like that doesn't mean they can't be an asshole. Well, yeah. And you just take the, you know, everyone's human so they could, you know. But you do have to, to in, in my experiences... It seems that, and this is a good thing. Maybe this kind of means that that are in our very nature. When you get really to our core, that we're good people. Like people are good because have you not noticed that most people with some sort of mental disabilities like that are usually kind of like a child. They're they're gentle. They're nice. A lot of times they are a lot better. Yes, than, than the average. Better people. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. And does. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that just means that we overanalyze things and we work ourselves up to be kind of more, you know, angry people. Yeah. We probably do. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Overthink things. I mean, if, if you took out, if you took out overanalyzing and, and overthinking something, stressing out too much about a situation, if you took all that away and you didn't have that, how much better of a person would, would all of us be? Yeah. Because it's a curse. I will I will obsess over something in my mind that hasn't even happened yet, but I'll have seven yeah. scenarios worked out of how <laughs> I'm going to deal with this shit. You know, yeah. it's awful. Ralphie May had a really good bit about being <laughs> friends with uh, with someone that I think I don't know if it was Downs or he or whatever it was, 
But Ralphie said, I was jealous of him. Yeah. He said, I would go with him. I think it was to the Dairy Queen or something after school. And he would get like a double stack cone and it would make him the you would it would it would be the same level of happiness as if you won the the lottery. Yeah. Fifty million dollars. That's true. He said this kid would light up. It made him he said you give him a Scooby Doo backpack and a double stack ice cream cone and he was the king of the world. And we that is something the, to be envied. You know, the simple things, you know, you know, lo- liking the simple things and accepting the simple things. And, and being delighted, finding delight in the simple things. So, so yeah, that's that's all back to what we were talking about before. Yeah, that's how we all should be. We should do more of that. And that's called a a callback. Callback, maybe, maybe something seems like it was called a callback. I don't know. You, 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 about that you, you brought it back time. full yeah. circle. Yeah. We did. Yeah, three sixty. <laughs> so yeah, we were talking about Jack Madruga. Okay, he's pivotal in this. He was uh, he was actually maybe the only one, as far as I know, that had a car. He had okay. a license. He had a car. He was the, you know, like I said, he was the one that he hadn't been uh, officially diagnosed with any mental disabilities, but he, you know, it was not a secret. On the spectrum. He was something. on the spectrum. Yeah, His that's family. What got, that's what we got off on that tangent about. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, but Jack's pride and joy. Now there's a Jackie and a Jack. Let's not get them confused. Jackie okay. Hewitt and then Jack Madruga. Jack's pride and joy was a 1969 turquoise and white Mercury Montego. Okay. And if you people don't know what these things look like, look, Google it. It's a gorgeous car. Yeah. I mean, it's just a classic old Ford product, like big, heavy, late 60s muscle car. Yeah. Great looking car. He kept it meticulously clean, and he never, ever allowed anyone else behind the wheel. Wow. Cool. Next, we have William Sterling, known as Bill. Now, he was from Yuba City, and he was 29 years old. He was 5'10", 170 pounds, with dark hair and blue eyes. Bill's mental disabilities had showed up early, and he had spent most of his childhood in the Napa State Hospital, but back then it was called the Napa Insane Asylum. Bill was closest to Jack and was a stoutly religious person. He spent hours upon hours in the library reading religious literature to help him bring Jesus to patients in mental hospitals. Like Ted and Jackie, he had been diagnosed with developmental disabilities. And that brings us to the gentleman who was by far the most complicated member of the group, Gary Dale Mathias. Okay. So we got, let's go back. Ted, Jackie, Jack, and Bill. Bill. Yeah. And who's the newest guy? And this is Gary. Gary. Okay. Gary Mathias. Uh, he was five foot 10, 25 years old, 170 pounds. He had brown hair, hazel eyes. He uh, wore thick military style glasses and he had a mustache at the time of his disappearance. I'm pretty sure from, from the photographs that I've seen. Okay. Um, that might not even be important, but to me, I don't know. I latch on to weird little details like that. Like I'll, I'll be like, I wonder if he had a mustache. Cause I seen a picture with him without. So I'll spend an hour. Trying that's to figure out different. whether or not he had a mustache when he disappeared. It's just something I want no, to know. No, no. That's, that's, a, that's a keen eye. Right um, he was also a Yuba City native. Gary did not suffer from any learning disabilities, but instead had a long history of drug abuse and psychiatric issues. And he was a diagnosed schizophrenic. He is the only one of the five who has yet to be found. And many believe he is the key to the entire incident. There is a lot to unpack with Gary. But before we go down that rabbit hole, let's recount the events of the last night the boys were seen alive and the bizarre circumstances that led to their death. All right. I'm ready. And the way I, the reason I say we'll unpack Gary later, we have, we will do almost, this is going to be a three-part series, and, and maybe it's part two, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, we're going to spend almost an entire probably hour on just Gary. Okay. That's how much there is to unpack on this guy, and it matters because... Of his history. Okay. Um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into the disappearance. If you say it now. matters, I believe you. <laughs> so Jack Madruga, Bill Sterling, Ted Weir, Jackie Hewitt, and Gary Mathias all loved basketball. Most of the time when the five got together, they were either playing or watching basketball. They had met through Gateway Projects, a program that helped people with disabilities. And through this program, they played on a special Olympics basketball team called the Gateway Gators. In fact, the Gators were scheduled to play a game in Sacramento the next day, part of a tournament in which the winners would receive a free week in Los Angeles. The boys were very excited and each laid out their uniforms, which was a beige shirt with the words Gateway Gators printed on the front, out in their rooms in preparation for the next day. Cool. 
Gary had even made it a point to remind his mother not to let him oversleep that next morning, lest he miss the big game. However, the crew had other plans on this night, the night before, a Friday night, February 24th, 1978. There was a college basketball game at California State University, Chico, about 50 miles north of Yuba City. The UC Davis team was playing Chico State, and the boys intended on cheering for their team favorite, which was the visiting UC Davis team. It was a cloudless night, brightly displaying a half moon hanging above the mountains. And Ted made his way out of the house, and as he did, his grandmother suggested he wear a coat. Now, I got this from interviews with the family. And Ted replied, Oh, Grandma, I don't need a coat, not tonight. And if everything had gone according to plan, he would have been right. But unbeknownst to the five friends, things would be terribly wrong along the way. By all accounts, the boys, who had piled into Jack's immaculately groomed 69 Mercury Montego, 69 that is, made it to the game without a hitch and were elated when their their team favorite, UC Davis, carried the day. The game ended shortly before 10 p.m., and after leaving, they stopped at Bears Market, just three blocks away, to grab some snacks for the trip home. Specifically, a Hostess Cherry Pie, one Langendorf Lemon Pie, one Snickers Bar, a Marathon Bar, two Pepsis, and a quart and a half of milk. Like I said, I get obsessed with those little details, and I just want to know. Yeah. I, I read like 10 articles or stories that said... You know, they stopped at the store for snacks, and I was like, what did they get? <laughs> yeah. No, it, it kind of paints the picture. Yeah. Right? I, I want to know everything. Yeah. I want to know everything. Yeah, no, I like it. The clerk even mentioned how they were trying to close up, and were not really thrilled to see a big group like this coming in right at closing time. The boys grabbed their snacks, loaded back into the big Mercury, and pulled out of the parking lot, heading south towards home. It was the last time they were ever seen alive. Whoa. Now, the boys' families, several of which had waited up for their return, grew increasingly concerned as the time they were supposed to get back home came and went. Ted's grandmother, who had drifted to sleep sometime in the night, startled awake at 5 a.m. She rushed to Ted's bed and was horrified to find it empty, appearing exactly as he had left it the previous evening. She immediately grabbed the phone and called Bill's mother, Juanita, and uh, who had also been waiting since uh, 2 a.m. for his return. He hadn't come home either. She also said she had just called Jack's mother, who confirmed that he was also still gone. As the rest of the parents contacted each other, they soon came to a horrible collective realization. Not one of their boys had returned home, and none of them were accounted for. Wow. This is scary for them because, like we said before, we're not dealing with just five folks, just Mm -hmm. five run-of-the-mill dudes. Like we said four of the five had some sort of mental disabilities. And then the other one, uh, you know, it was with Gary. It was a little different because I'd read that he would stay out on occasion and maybe crash at a friend's house or something. But the other four, their lives were, I don't want to, I don't want to, man, I don't want to make like generalization generalizations or stereotypes or anything, but it's almost like Rain Man. You know, like they had everything was exactly how they wanted it. Yeah. They went to bed at a certain time. They sure. got up at a certain time, brushed their teeth, ate breakfast. You know, everything was on a pretty tight schedule with them. Yeah. And if you deviated from that, it, it would just really mess them up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And they literally never did anything like just not, you know, just yeah. go out and just not come home or anything. Yeah. So that's why I think, I don't know if it was, if it's still in effect today but that whole what is it 24 hour rule someone has to be gone 24 hours before yeah, you can or yeah, 48 it seems like it seems like that's you know the way it is 24 or 48 yeah depending um, on if it's a kid it's a lot different now oh if it's a kid i mean i think it should be 30 minutes like if i you know if we're in a, a yeah a mall or, it's not that anymore for okay. kids yeah for sure and they've got the, those alerts those nationwide alerts that yeah the amber alerts or re- regional actually on the way home from our florida trip we actually got an alert. It wasn't about a missing kid, but it was kind of crazy. It came on my phone. Now, the implementation of this is not well thought out because it was real coded. I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was basically it had some names of some people. And I thought it was probably escaped convicts, and it was. It was oh, really? three guys that escaped, and with it, it was within 10 miles of where we were at on the road. Oh, wow. Which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. But it took me five minutes to Google around and figure it out, like who it was <laughs> and what exactly was going on. To me, it should say escape convicts, 
the guy's names, maybe a short description. Um, but I, I don't know why it was like so weird the way it was coded. Um, but anyway, uh, still a good thought, a great thought to have that in existence Yeah, where and, you're and just traveling and you're, you know, 10 hours away from home and you get this, it's kind of cool actually. It is way. very cool. And yeah. I, yeah, I get the same alerts on my phone. Um, and I know the whole 24, I guess I know that, that it's problematic because with different people, uh, you know, like some, I listen to a lot of podcasts, obviously about missing people and some of the people that go missing, it's not a big deal for them to take off and not be seen for a week or two. You know, they're mm-hmm. kind of like yeah. gypsies in a way. Yeah. I, I listened to one where a girl, they waited like three weeks before they filed a missing persons report because it was not uncommon for her to just up and take off, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then some people, I would say most people live a pretty tightly packed life, mm-hmm. you know, like usually yeah. every day, I'm minute by minute. I'm pretty much accounted for like, yeah, sure. where I have to be and things. Sure. I have to, yeah. So if I'm not seen, you know, it's not going to be no 24 hours. I mean, you know, people will know very soon. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things that, you know, our smartphone phones will do this. And a lot of people, they get kind of worked up and you see these posts on social media. It says your phone is tracking everywhere you are. You should go. Here's how to turn it off and go in the settings I get that if you're a kid or maybe even a female, I'm not trying to be sexist, but for me, I'm not jumping into my phone settings and turning that off and freaking out about it. Um, to me, it's not very alarming if somebody sees that I went to work <laughs> in the store and to my house. You're right. <laughs> um, I don't know, but uh, I, I guess if, if some creepo could get a hold of it, um, you know, but to me, it's like, if some creepo is like, well, I want to get this person, wouldn't they just wait for you? Right. Wouldn't they just say, well, I know they live here. I'm going to wait. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, like a creepo that's on the schedule. It's like, well, I want to kidnap somebody, but I don't want to have to wait around for him. So I've got, I've got hot <laughs> yoga at 5 PM. <laughs> And this gal don't get home till six, but I'm going to be all, oh, it's not good today. Yeah. If I knew, if I just knew exactly when she was going to get home, I could be with her waiting on her, uh, which that's kind of creepy to say, it is, but, yeah. I, but I, but I don't know. I, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get at is if everyone had that and you know, someone's missing, well, we can go back. Oh, here's their last time their phone reported them that they were here. Yeah. Don't you think that's incredibly crucial? Oh yeah, I mean, Absolutely. if you could have that on some on some of these cases we've talked about, I mean, wow, it's a lot more specific than when they have to do like cell phone pings. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. we can ping it off this tower, sure, but there's like a five mile radius around yeah. that tower. So I mean, we know when these guys got a half a gallon of milk. Yeah, or would you say quart <laughs> and a half? Quart and a half of milk. But uh, that's it. That's that's our best. You know, at this point, um, it's a that's wonder. Not enough. Back in the 70s and even 80s and hell, before the invention of the cell phone, mm-hmm. it it's a wonder we ever found anyone who disappeared. My <laughs> God, there would be no way to track. I mean, they would just imagine people, people. I don't know who's listening, who's younger, but there was a time where when you got in your car and left your house, you were unreachable. Yeah. No one in the world, like your house could burn down, your parents could die, the whole world could crash and no one, you would not know until you got to your destination yeah. and someone told you. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, the phones, they're, you know, they do all this to society. But we got to look at it like, hey, at least every time you go anywhere, you have a phone you could call if you needed somebody. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it Technology is going to be overused and, and misused, uh, obviously. But I mean, we got to talk about the bright side about it sometimes yeah you know yeah man i've i've i dialed i dialed 911 quite a bit you do for serious yeah oh, i can't remember the last time i dialed 911 i've dialed it three times just in the past two months wow <laughs> the tornado oh yeah yeah that's right uh coming home from tulsa there was a car it was raining really heavy and there was a car that had slid and was like on its side in the ditch oh yeah i called 911 on that and then yesterday i was coming home from your town Mm-hmm. And it was hot as hell, you know, and in the ditch, there was a guy laying down like on his back face up 
with one knee kind of like re- I don't know if he's resting. It's 98 degrees, so what if he had a heat stroke or something? Yeah. So I dialed 911. Yeah. And I told him exactly where it was and they had a they had a officer from your town that was close. Okay, we'll send him on out there. What could it hurt, you know? It's like maybe the guy's having a heat stroke, maybe he just stopped. What time was that? Oh god. It was Oh, I know exactly what time it was. It was about 6 o'clock. In oh, okay. The, in the afternoon. Wow. Yeah. So you never heard about no. Oh, okay. No. But yeah, I was. Oh, I, you did your good deed. I yeah, guess. I was thinking, man, I've dialed nine one one thrice in the past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been dialed in a long time. I've called the cops, the local cops, a few times. I, yeah. You know, a couple times a year, I'll call them about something. But, um, yeah, cool, good. All right, that's good. So as we were saying, yeah, we're getting back to it now. As we were saying, uh, Gary would stay out from time to time. Not to say that his parents were not worried. They they were because. Uh, you know, usually they had some sort of idea if he was going to be gone. Um, uh, as I said before, the other four lived, you know, fairly, fairly predictable uh, lives and were on fairly strict schedules. <clears throat> so concerning all this, authorities kind of waived this 24 hour thing and, and took action pretty quickly. OK, both. But yeah, police from both Chico and Yuba City began to search the routes between the two cities for any sign of the boys or Jack's Mercury Montego. Today, there are two main roads between Yuba City and Chico, just as there were 40 years ago. Highway 99 running north from Yuba City and Highway 70 running parallel to Highway 99, just two miles to the east out of Marysville and the Feather River separating the towns and highways. So it's like the Feather River and both highways all run together north. Wow. From Marysville and Yuba City to Chico. I mean, that's cool because you kind of painted the picture. It's either one of those roads. Has to be. And then the river is a thing that might come into play. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So today, oh, I just read that. I'm sorry. Wow. What a rookie ass mistake. I can't believe we've been doing this a year and a half. I go back for a whole. He'd been reading for longer than that too. So, I mean, come (laughs) on. I've been reading for at least 10 years. (laughs) Come on. It's all par for the course. You're good, man. So no trace of the men or their car was found for several days until February 28th, when a forest ranger reported seeing a car matching the missing Mercury abandoned on the side of a secluded mountain road in the Plumas National Forest. And Not if, good. If that sounds familiar, Plumas National Forest, that's because the Keddie Cabin murders were also in the Plumas National Forest. When authorities, wow. yeah, it's so crazy how close all these things are. When authorities located the car, it turned out to be Jack's Mercury. But locating the car only brought up more questions. First off, the car was nowhere near the route home. In fact, it was near Bucks Lake Road, nearly 50 miles off the route. For wow. Some, yeah, for some reason, they had turned east and ended up 70 miles from Chico instead of keeping south to get back home. Secondly... The car's location was just inside the snow line at about 4,400 feet elevation and appeared to have gotten stuck. Signs that the rear wheels had spun were visible, but authorities noted noted that the snow there was pretty shallow and it would have been nothing for five healthy young men to push that car out. So it wasn't like hopelessly stuck. It was kind of stuck and it looked like the back wheels had spun a little. Okay. It gets so much weirder. After this, it was thought that the car may have been left because it ran out of gas or broke down. But the tank was still a quarter full, and when the police hot-wired the car, it fired right up. It was totally operable. It was also odd that a window had been left down, which is something that Jack would have never done. He was a stickler about leaving windows up and doors locked when he was not driving his car. Mm -hmm. All that was left of the snacks they had purchased after the game was a half-eaten candy bar laying in the back seat. Another very strange detail was the condition of the car. And this is just absolutely bizarre. And maybe you have a theory on how this could have happened. It's almost X-Files type crap to me. Mm. The condition of the car. A 69 Mercury Montego is a big, heavy, low sitting car to begin with. Empty. Even without passengers and fuel. And I did the, I did a little bit of research and found this out. A 69 Montego weighed about 3,400 pounds. Mm-hmm. Add to that the weight of five grown men, which was about, I knew the amount, how much all the dudes weighed. It's about 100, 850 pounds, sorry. Mm-hmm. And a full tank of gas. And we're looking at over two tons on this car's suspension. The Montego's ground clearance could not have been more than a few inches. However, despite having traveled several miles up a rough, 
rutted, mud, and snow-covered mountain road, the car was perfectly clean, and the undercarriage showed no signs of mud or scraping. It was not even dirty. Hmm. Not even at the car's lowest point, it's low-hanging muffler. It has been theorized that someone who had an intimate knowledge of the mountain roads may have been able to navigate it very carefully without damaging the car, but none of the men were familiar with the area. Now, Jack's family had taken several camping trips to a place near where the car was found, but Jack had only ever went one time, and due to his hatred of the cold and, for that matter, camping altogether, he never ventured back again, opting instead to remain home during his family's subsequent trips. So... Jack himself had been there once a long time ago, and that was it, to their knowledge. None of the other boys had been there. It seems like it would be extra difficult at night to keep from scratching the bottom. It's so weird, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, imagine, look up a picture of this car, folks, and then put five grown-ass men in it and a quarter tank of gas. I said a full tank of gas on the way, but a quarter tank of gas. Either way, even even guesstimating you know, on light numbers – it's over two tons. And every report I found said this mountain road was was rutted. I mean, it was not it was not easy for those guys to drive up there. And here sets this Mercury Montego untouched, like yeah. immaculate. Uh I'd say maybe there weren't five in it at that time. Ooh, that is something I never thought of. One guy. I don't know why, but that is that only is, takes one at that point. You are invaluable, my friend. That is literally, I've thought about this damn and case. Then, and then ways. the deal where it was, it looked kind of stuck. I wonder if that was his idea to like roll it up there and like get it almost kind of stuck. So you're saying the scene was set. Well, I don't know. I'm that, I mean, it's way early to have a decent idea of what happened, but that's yeah. just something that jumps out at me right now. That's crazy. Cause of all the, everything I read and all the forums and all the discussions, that's something that I didn't see, but it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, take it up there, act like it got stuck. And then, then the common thing to think is, okay, these five boys got stuck there and they just wandered off in the woods. We'll probably never find them, you know, especially because of, that's what you'd want someone to think. Right. You know, especially because of their mental, yeah. You know, faculties or whatever. Yeah. Someone might be more apt to just think they wandered off. So how long had it been since how long it took it took them to find the car? Four days, four days. So footprints and stuff like that. I don't know if they got snow and rain and things like that, but that could have been gone. I know the day they found the car and I will get into this later. uh, Actually, right here, police began to search the mountain for the boys and any more clues. A helicopter scanned the forest from above while officers on horseback navigated the rough mountain terrain in search of any sign of the missing group. Unfortunately, the day they found the car and started the search, a significant snowstorm hit. Mm. Yeah. So that would have covered up everything. everything, And uh, after several people nearly got lost themselves, the search was called off uh, two days after this, the car's discovery. So they can, yeah, they searched. Yeah. So if you, if you took the car there to dump it and you did something else with the guys, I mean, you would feel a little better that, they would think, oh, well, they just wa- wandered off into the wilderness. Yeah. So that's that's a that's an idea I have early on, but okay. I have nothing else to to put on that. Well, yeah. I've got everything. I've got all. I've got the entire case in my brain. Meets. I will say and this. Even considering that it's interesting, I will say this. I mean, um, they're talking about you know it couldn't have you know they could have gotten out and pushed or whatever, um, but. If it's in the middle of the night, you know, the temperature drops down. If, if they're in high elevation, obviously they are. Um, whatever it looks like, it's probably different at night because the ice and things like that. So they could have they could have really been stuck. I mean, okay. and it could have looked like, hey, they should have been able to got it out, get it out. But if you push the car that heavy on ice, I mean, for one thing, you're not going to get any traction. No, there's no pushing. Yeah. So, and then they find it later and it's just like, well, there's not enough snow for them to be stuck. But it's like, well, that's iced over at night. So anyway, that's okay. an, that's another idea. I get it. Okay. Well, we have a lot of room. That's someone else has thought of all these things. They had to have. probably. I mean, yeah. over over forty years. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's where the notes end for tonight's episode. That's part one. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to at least get to the the discovery of the car. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, that's I'm definitely intrigued. Uh, oh yeah, what happened to these it, guys? everything it just everything is bizarre i'm sure the ufo people are 
<laughs> saying stuff. I mean, they're it looking, crossed my mind. <laughs> they're they're looking for things. I mean, that's okay. I mean, uh, uh, even Carl Sagan said imagination is a huge part of science. I mean, you got to be able to imagine it to say well, this is something we're going to test for. Right. Um. So uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's it. Yeah. So Yuba County Five Part One. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Okay. We'll uh, talk to you guys next time.